Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday, amen? Amen. Well, wherever you are today, we're excited to have you here, and uh, we want to reach you wherever you are. Uh, <clears throat> there are situations that we've all been in. I'll tell you a situation that you've probably been in, one that I've been in, and it's always kind of awkward, right? So when I was young, like I would be hanging out with my friends, and uh, my nickname was Bump. You know, that's what everybody called me on the block, and so my friends would be hanging out with them. And then all of a sudden, uh, there would be somebody that would yell out my middle name. You see, my, my name is James Terry Roberson III, and if anybody didn't know me by my nickname, they'd call me James, but no one called me Terry. And so every now and then, I'd be in the mall, and I'd be chilling with my friends. You know, when you get with your friends in the mall at 16, you try to act older than what you really are. And so you're there hanging out, and you want to have this false independence. And all of a sudden, I'd hear, Terry. And I would front like I didn't hear him, you know, because I'm trying to be cool, and I'm there with my friends. And all of a sudden, I'd hear Terry, and I'd, I'd look over, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know that person. Who is that? And, you know, I would just kind of ignore them because they can't be calling me by that name. And then all of a sudden, you hear, Terry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I would go up to this person, like, hello, man. Like, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool. They said, well, how's your mama doing? Is she doing better after that surgery? I'm like, yes, she is. She's doing very well. She said, how's your sisters, Vicky and Cassie, they doing good? I'm like, yes, ma'am, they, they good. I'm like, well, now, now, are you getting your grades up? I'm like, who is this woman that know about my grade situation? <laughs> You're getting those grades up, right? You know, you, you got to get better if you want to get into school. Yes, ma'am, I, I'm, I'm getting better. She's like, all right, then. Come, come here, come, give me a hug. All right, then. You stay good. All right. I walk away. I get with my friends. I'm hanging around them. They're like, yo, who was that? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that was. But what was clear is even though I didn't know them, they knew me. They knew everything about me. And do you know that even though you don't know someone, there could be a chance that they know everything about you? And a journey with God, my, my personal journey with God, and everyone's journey that they're on, while you are getting closer to the Lord, even though you may not know all the details and all the ins and outs of who Jesus is and about the Bible and about church, he knows you. He knows everything about you. And a journey with the Lord is exactly what we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 24. It's actually an amazing story after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two men talking about Jesus, and then they come to find out Jesus is right next to them while they're walking. If you have your Bible, if you'd open up to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And here on the screen... You'll see it as well. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. It says, Now, that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place 
And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. There's a couple things you have to understand when you look at this text. The first thing that you have to see is that they're on this road to Emmaus, and that's just a village, probably their hometown. But what's very important is that they're leaving Jerusalem. After the, what they considered the death of Jesus Christ, the person that they had put their hope and trust in, because he was murdered, they left. They weren't seeking him. So notice, they had a traumatic weekend watching the man they put their hopes on die naked in front of everybody. And so they're walking back to Emmaus. They're going back home. No more of that religious stuff because it's not everything I thought. And so notice in verse 14, together they were discussing everything that had taken place. But then in verse 15, something different. And while they were discussing and arguing. So what happened was they started talking. And you know when you start discussing something, but then it all of a sudden becomes an argument? Like you can say, you know, I think LeBron is just, you know, I think he's a really good player. But I mean, I'm saying when you look at MJ and then, and then your boy's like, but he's not better than MJ. I'm like, but it, he could be though. I mean, just his error, the team. And all of a sudden, what was a discussion starts out to be an argument. And as they're walking down this seven-mile journey, which took about 20 to 30 minutes before they knew it. They were in a discussion and an argument. And all of a sudden, Jesus pulls up and look in verse 16. They were prevented from recognizing him. And so there's some very deep implications to this. Jesus set it up so that he could hear a discussion about him while they didn't know it was him. Wouldn't you like to do that sometimes? <laughs> no, you know that person that talks about you. You know what I'm talking about. Wouldn't you like to? <laughs> no, I'm saying, wouldn't you like to like be able to pull up in the discussion, in the thread, but they don't know it's you? Like, like oh, yeah, so, you know, Keisha be tripping. You're like, tell me more about that. How she be tripping, though. So he wanted, so listen, Jesus pulls up on these men while they're discussing Jesus because Jesus wanted to know them in their rawness. <laughs> Jesus wanted to hear the doubts. He didn't want performance. He, he didn't want posturing. He wanted that raw dirty. He wanted the anger and the frustration. He wanted the confusion and the, the wonderment. He wanted that. And as they're arguing about this Jesus, he says, I want to know. And so Jesus prevents them from seeing him fully. But what's interesting is that these men, they had went to Jerusalem just to be around this Jesus. They had walked seven miles just to be around this Jesus. And now they were leaving. They had seen and heard about the miracles. And now this Jesus wasn't who they thought he was. Do you know there were people who were still hanging around wondering what would happen, but they left. 
And the reason why they left is because even though they had had an experience with Jesus, they had made some observations, but they weren't pursuing him, though. Seeing Jesus and seeking Jesus are two different things. You see, knowing observations, knowing ideas, and having some information about the risen Lord is different than an encounter with the risen Lord. So they weren't seeking him, they had seen him. Uh, but, but as you move on in this text, verse 17, it says, then he asked them. So this is great. This is the best April Fool's in the world. Verse 17, he's like, so, you know, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Verse 19, then the one named Cleopas, because we always got to have a Cleopas in the building. <laughs> Praise God. If that's your name, bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Cleopas answered, are you the only, look at what he says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened in these days? So he's so off, he's calling him a visitor, but he's like, you don't know what happened to Jesus? Everybody knows what happened. So that tells you a little bit about the historicity of this moment. He presumed everyone within the circumference of that community would know that Jesus Christ had died. So Jesus, playing this role, goes, what things? Jesus is slick, and he's like, well, tell me more. What are these things? Who that Jesus? Tell me. He asked them, so they said to him, you know, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Let me explain to you. You obviously don't know who he is. Let me explain to you who he is. He was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. And our, notice the word our, they were Jewish men, our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. And so on that Friday, this was Sunday, on that Friday, at nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus was hung on a cross. And from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., with nails through his wrists, with a crown of thorns that had crushed into his head, with a purple robe that they had placed on his back, for hours he is in agony and he's dying. All the pictures, the pictures that you see, they try to make it nice by putting a white towel around his waist. But the truth be told, no one cared about making you look nice. He was naked on that cross. They wanted to embarrass him. They wanted to make him suffer. So notice the trauma that they've been through, hours on this cross. It's not just the, the trauma of the death that they were frustrated with. Notice what they said. They said, our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced. And so they saw Jesus doing all these miracles and preaching all these sermons, but it was one night he was taken by Roman authorities. And they did a trial at night so no one would know. And it, it got so bad, this thing got so bad that there was an opportunity to let Jesus go, but they chose the most immoral man possible 
to actually replace him on the cross, a man named Barabbas. They let him go so that Jesus could be crucified. And the reason why they are, their minds are blown by this is because the so-called religious of the day were in a conspiracy with the authorities, the government. This is going to blow your mind. There were actually religious people who were in a conspiracy with, I mean, this religious people in a conspiracy with the government so that they can maintain power together. I know that's tough for you to imagine, but that was actually happening at this time. And that because the Romans and the religious were coming together, people that were actually seeking Jesus began to become discouraged because they said, I never want to be like that. I know that's blowing your mind. And there was money caught up in it. And so they concocted this plan to murder Jesus. And so in verse 21, feel the weight of their words. But we were, and here's that, feel that sting, we were hoping. We, 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 we were hoping, now they're just walking along with Jesus, we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Israel, when he's talking about that, they're talking about the political power of Israel. And they're talking about Jerusalem and how Jerusalem was supposed to be taken over the leadership of the Jews, they should have been leading. They should have been the ones in power. And so they wanted a political champion to make sure that the Romans were no longer oppressing their people. And so when they wanted a Messiah, a conqueror, to redeem people, they were not just looking at a redeemed heart, they were looking at a redeemed political power source. And they wanted to transform the way that the government was working. And so we said, we had placed our hopes in this Jesus. We wanted him to be different. And the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, life is about expectations. And when your expectations aren't met, something inside of you changes. Notice the medical side of it. It doesn't say that your heart is broken. It says that the sickness that you can't get over when you've expected in someone and they broke your heart and they've confused you. And so they, they're walking around saying, we were hoping in this Jesus. And then they said, besides this, it's the third day since things had happened. Now notice earlier they had called Jesus a prophet, but they had failed to take the seriousness of his prophecies, the things that he had said concerning himself. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 16, verse 21. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, watch what he says, He's, Jesus is not making a mystery here, to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem after suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and, and on the what day? On the third day to be raised to life. So Jesus wasn't hiding the fact that he was going to be raised on the third day. But they, you notice, they said, it's the third day, and he ain't here. 
So notice, nobody was looking for the body. No one was looking for Jesus. Jesus himself has told them these things. What is it that is preventing them from believing in that part of Jesus? That part that he said would be suffering. The part that he said, I will have to die and I will have to go amongst the chief priests and the elders. They liked the strong side of Jesus, but not the weak side of Jesus. They liked the political champion Jesus, but they didn't like the suffering Jesus. They liked the prophetic powers of his word, but they didn't like seeing him suffer as a servant. And the reason why that is is because they were looking for a strong Messiah that had strong people. And everyone who summoned the strength to follow Jesus actually came to him in weakness, not in strength. And the reality is Jesus came in weakness looking for those who would admit their weakness. Jesus came seeking people who were broken, who were hurting, and who were willing to say, I need you. It was that Jesus. And when, at this time, they were looking for this type of person, notice that even though there were these clear scriptures telling them Jesus would have to suffer, their eyes couldn't see it, and their hearts couldn't connect to it because they wanted a certain type of Jesus. You know, most people have problems with religion. And oftentimes, people have a problem with the church. And if I could say in a word, people say, I'm cool with Jesus. In fact, I think Jesus is real. The problem is Christians are fake. See how that works? And so what, what the, the, the working theory is, I'm not going to follow Jesus because I don't want to be like those people who aren't really following Jesus. And what's really happening is the minute you begin to publicly follow Jesus, you expose yourself to an expectation of a life that you can't live up to. So what happens is the people following him, the reason why we're oftentimes disappointed in them is because they're broken, jacked up, and weak. And the reason why oftentimes we don't want to follow is because we don't want to be exposed like they are. We don't want to be the people that are hypocrites, even though we are hypocrites. The reason why we're all hypocrites is because you don't keep the standards you are. Let's, let, don't bring Jesus into it. You don't keep the standards you tell other people. You, don't, you give advice to people you don't keep. Praise God. So the fact of the matter is take God's law, Jesus. You, you, you know you're imperfect. You know you're jacked up. The difference between the church and the world is the church is attempting to admit how broken they really are. And yes, the, this room is filled with liars and hypocrites and deceitful people. I mean, and I'm the pastor, so I know other stories y'all don't even know about. So if you think, and they're, they're, everybody look cute. Everybody look cute today. So the, so, the, so the story, the real story is these are broken people. We are beggars who have found bread. And we are hoping to change and grow. And it takes time. And you're noticing how hard it is to change. And if you join us, you'll be one of us too.
one of those broken people. And so they, they didn't want that kind of weakness, that kind of Messiah. And so we have to remember that Jesus merely wants us to follow him. Follow him. And so in verse 22, he says, Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, verse 23, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of an angel who said he was alive. Verse 24, some of those who were, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they didn't see him. Oh, man. Jesus, who is a revolutionary, is teaching these men something powerful even without them realizing that he is working on their hearts. At the tomb, there were all types of women, Mary Magdalene in particular. And if you were to go to other verses, uh, it would say that when the women said that, it says the words seemed like nonsense to them when the women said, Jesus is alive. Why was it seeming like nonsense? And if you look in the text, they said, these women said Jesus is alive and we didn't see him, but we don't believe him because there was an angel and an angel was there and we didn't see a body and heard about an angel. And why don't they believe these women? The reason why they would not believe the words of a woman because culturally the words of a woman woman, were seen as one of the, the, the the least accountable or the least credible words of that society. At that time, at that time, a woman was not even allowed to testify in court. At that time, there were actual sections in the temple for a woman to sit. And the men were in the section of the temple that was closer. So the working notion was just by the physical setup was that the men were closer to God than the women were. And these were all the way that the origins of the temple were being set up. And Jesus, being a revolutionary, wanted to challenge the status quo and reestablish cultural and religious precedence. But interestingly enough, the way that he wanted to start a revolution wasn't just by having just the resurrection, because Jesus could have made it amazing, couldn't he? Couldn't he have had lights and have the roll stone away, go away and he could have swung out and been like, blah, and it could have been amazing, right? So if, Jesus, so if it was just about Jesus getting people to be convinced that he was alive, he could have done that. But what he did was, I want them to have to trust a woman. I, I want them, and notice this, this revolution didn't start where they wanted it to. They wanted it to start in the Roman Empire. Take down Caesar. But first, we got to take down your attitude towards women. That was his first revolution began with the way that men were listening to women. Now, I want to just take a commercial break (laughs) and acknowledge that in our society today, 
We have movements, particularly the Me Too movement. This movement has come about because women have been sexualized and they have been disregarded. Notice this, a woman, women right now, women are are graduating at higher, higher than men. They're getting better grades and consistently they get lower pay. Do you know what the society is saying then? Society is saying you can pay, you can pay for a college degree but we won't pay you when you get out. And, we, and so our society is set up in a way where oftentimes the words of a woman is seen as lesser. And as the church, we have to make sure in every way we can that we are not looking at a woman and discrediting her from jump. This is why, let me just side note, this is why porn changes you in ways you can't imagine, men. It, it, it disfigures the honor that God has created a woman for. And so oftentimes there are things that are going in your mind, being burned in your mind, burned in your soul. And you are, and because when we sexualize a woman off jump, we often discredit the power of her words. And so interestingly enough, you know, Easter is a big deal. Apparently you got to have a good preacher on Easter. That's what they told you. And they, it was the only one they had this week. But you know, you know, the, the, the Easter preacher, he got to bring it, you know, because it's going to be packed out. <laughs> Easter, you got to, you know, got to come with it on Easter. Well, if Easter is a big deal, Jesus wanted the first Easter preacher to be a woman. The first person to say he is alive was a woman. The first person to actually see Jesus was a woman. So that tells us the voice of women should be powerful in our culture, it should be powerful in our homes, and it must be powerful in the church in order for us to live out the work of God in today. Verse 25, verse 25. So he said to them, how, how foolish and slow you are to believe all the prophets and uh, how foolish and slow you are, to, uh, are to, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, exclamation mark. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? So notice in verse 25, he says, how foolish and how slow. It, I mean, that's, is, he's calling them stupid. That, that's actually what he's saying. He is frustrated with them, right? And so he says, Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. It's a very important point. Jesus Christ, what he was doing in this moment, as he's hidden himself, he's cloaked himself, he's wanting now to explain himself. And, and what he does is, it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So you can presume that the argument that they were getting in is, how can this be the Messiah when the Messiah was supposed to bring it, the, the lion is supposed to be laying down with the lamb, and they were probably quoting different verses from Isaiah. But hidden Jesus walks alongside of him and says, come on, y'all. Y'all missing certain parts. And so this hidden Jesus, while walking along this journey, begins to describe the scriptures to them. 
And I don't know what he said to them, but I wonder if he mentioned to them Isaiah 7 and 14, when God says, therefore the Lord God will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And he probably explained to them, yeah, Jesus' name wasn't Emmanuel, but you remember his mama was a virgin? You remember that? They're like, oh, right, he's explaining. And then he probably in Isaiah 53 and 3, he says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who, who knew what sickness was. He was like one turned away from, he was despised and did not have value in him. 53.7 says, he was oppressed and afflicted. He did not open his mouth. And look at this. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep silent before his shears. He did not open his mouth. And so he's standing there explaining to them, y'all, y'all remember all those sacrifices of lamb growing up as a kid? You know how that works? Well, you know Jesus died during the Passover. And they're going, oh, snap. And then he says, do you see how, what it's saying? That Jesus was that lamb led to a slaughter. And so he begins to give them these convincing proofs, starting from Moses all the way to the prophets and begins to help them understand who Jesus was because they were looking in the word of God but they weren't seeking Jesus so they could not understand the word because the word's about Jesus Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's because they, and, and, and it is they, that they bear witness about me. So Jesus is like, you can't just use the word of God and customize it to your particular needs. You must see the word of God in its full counsel and understand it is defining and describing me. You're searching for everything else. You're searching for love and relationship. You're searching for jobs and significance and purpose and destiny. But if you do all those things but you don't search for me, you're missing it. Jesus. You must search for Jesus to understand the scriptures. <clears throat> all right. Um, this analogy is a spoiler alert. Praise God. So if you haven't seen this movie, you, you're allowed to be frustrated with me, but I feel like it's old enough where you should have seen it already, and so we can, t we can pray about it after if you're frustrated. <laughs> right, have you seen the movie Sixth Sense? Sixth Sense? All right, I tried to find a movie old enough where everybody would say amen. Are <laughs> right, you seen Sixth Sense? All right, if you haven't seen Sixth Sense, Google, it's, you can figure it out. All right, in the movie Sixth Sense, there's this little boy. You remember the little boy? Little boy who sees what? He sees dead people, right? And then there's Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is in the movie, and Bruce Willis is there counseling him and helping him and getting him along in life. And so you're there, and you're like, look at Bruce Willis helping out this young boy. Look at him. And then there'd be these moments where we get real cold, and then Bruce Willis and his wife, they're working through some things. They have some, like, issues that they're working out. You're like, man, this is crazy, right? And then you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. When he says, I see dead people, Bruce Willis was one of the dead people. Oh, snap. And if you're any bit of a movie buff, you went back and watched it again. You was like, oh, 
I didn't even catch that, though. I didn't even see. Oh, that's right. He's like right there. He's not looking at him. He's looking by him. He's not looking at him. But notice this. That's how you have to start seeing the word of God. Because if you start looking through the lenses of Jesus, you'll look at Genesis 3 and you'll be like, oh, that's the seed that will crush the foot. That, that, that's what they're talking about in Genesis 3.15. You, you'll look in the middle. You'll see Isaiah. You'll be like, oh, that's it. See, you have to look through Jesus. But don't just look at Jesus for the scriptures. You've got to look at Jesus through the church as well. Don't focus on our jacked up stuff. Look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Look at Jesus for lenses to see the scriptures. Look at Jesus for lenses to see the church. We are here to seek Jesus, and he is what helps us understand life, the church, and being together. But lastly, verse 28, they came near the village where they were going and gave them the impression that he was going farther. But they, in verse 29, they urged him, Stay with us because it's almost evening and, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And look at them in verse 32. They said to each other, as Jesus just disappears, weren't our hearts burning within us? While he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us, and that very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. Do you know what they just said was so powerful? He says, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking with us? So notice the second part that says, and explaining the scriptures to us. Before Jesus started to break down all those scriptures, while they were talking, something was happening inside of them. While Jesus was just speaking to them, something started happening inside their hearts. And what that tells you is that if their hearts were burning before he got to the scriptures, what they were longing for was intimacy with Jesus. And I can tell you today, more than anything else, what we long for is intimacy. Someone who will accept us for who we are and still stay committed to us. That is what agape love is. And what we need more than anything else is a love encounter. What this tells us, if their hearts started burning before he started explaining, what we want more is an encounter, not just an explanation of Jesus an encounter of Jesus. And that's what we're here to do tonight is encounter Jesus. Not just to break down all the depths of who he is and to massage our intellect because it wasn't their minds on fire. It was their heart. 
And that is what God is pursuing, our hearts. And he wants to change us from the inside out. And so, <laughs> they, they have this moment and their hearts start changing. And it says in verse 33, that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They were going home to Emmaus because they said no more of this religious stuff. Jesus is not who I thought he was. But then they had a little talk with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they actually turned around. And they went back to that place in Jerusalem. Proverbs 13 and 12 continues to say, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. He had met their true desire, and their true desire was rooted in someone not only explaining, but encountering and loving and connecting. And notice this imagery of a heart that's sick and unable to connect with people. But now this heart is a tree of life. It's able to extend and be able to be bountiful to other people. And that's what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus, that you're going along the road in your life walking along, maybe even ignoring this Jesus. But he begins to change your heart. And now you're bearing fruit. And people are able to experience you. And they see that you're changed. And so he says, this heart is now a tree. A tree extending to people. And being able to fulfill your very purpose and destiny on earth is to connect with the living God and expect great things from him. But not just because you want things, but because you want him. And what Jesus is wanting today is your heart. And unfortunately, for us to get to the place where we give our hearts to Jesus is generally because our life is not working the way we wanted it to. I, you know, if, if that was the case, you know, if we were just the people we wanted to be and we're like, you know what, I'm going to choose Jesus this Sunday, then that would be a testimony that all of us would come in with, with how strong we were. But the fact of the matter is we come in broken. We come in acknowledging how weak we truly are. And Jesus wants to meet us where we are, in our frustrations and in our doubts. And he wants to minister to your heart. And he's willing to talk with you through all those different issues you see in the church and issues you see in the Bible and issues you see in your family and issues you see in you. He's willing to walk alongside of you even when you don't know it's him. Because maybe the good things that you've seen in your life isn't because you're so strong. Isn't because you've been walking along the right way. Maybe someone's been carrying you. Maybe someone's been guiding you. Maybe someone's been making themselves available to you.
And yet it's hard because we feel the weight of this world. My, uh, my oldest daughter, Faith, when she was born, she had what's called a heart murmur. This is a hole in your heart. We were new parents trying to figure out what it means to be a parent. And we were in, um, we were at home and we invited people over from church to hold the baby. And while one of our friends who was from our church was there holding the baby, she says, is she supposed to be breathing this hard? And trying to pretend like we knew what we were talking about, we're like, yeah, you know, babies, they breathe hard, you know, but we didn't know. <laughs> and then after a few minutes, Natasha and I looked at each other and we were like, this may not be normal. And what was happening was, because of the hole in her heart, she was working harder to breathe. So we took her to the hospital that night. We went over to the children's wing. And here I am with my little 10-day-old baby. And what they did was they had this little contraption that I had to put this little midget in. And what they said was, okay, James, here's what you want to do. Hold her little fingers like this. Hold them out. And we're going to put this contraption on her. And so I went to hold her hands, and she just starts crying and screaming. And then I start crying. And then Tarsh is like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, it's going it's to be all right. So we're both crying, and we're going through it. And I'm holding her, holding her. And they said, you're doing a good job, Dad. You're doing a good job. And I'm crying, and I'm holding her. And they said, you're doing a good job, Dad. You're doing a good job. And I'm holding her, and I'm crying. And they said, and, the, and one of the nurses looked at me and says, we got to keep doing this because we gotta see her heart. And I know she's crying, and I know she's screaming, Dad, but keep holding her. Because if you hold her in that position, we'll get to her heart. And I know that right now, some of you did not come in here because your road has been together, but rather your road has been broken. And God is holding you right now, and God is allowing you to be in this season but he is aiming for your heart. And he is wanting to minister to the very depths of who you are. And tonight, tonight is a night where all the different things that you've had inside of you about church, why don't we just take a second and think about Jesus? Because Jesus held himself out and I'm sure his father was going through it emotionally as, his father, as he hung there on the cross. And I'm sure our father got to keep going, keep holding, hold it, hold it. He's, father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Now hold it, hold it there. See, if you stay on this cross, if you give your heart, I'll be able to get the hearts of people. Hold it. Stay right there. Hold it. And so now, our Savior, he hung on that cross to die for our sins. 
And I know you're imperfect. And I know you're inconsistent. And I know you're not the person you want to be. But Jesus is willing to not only die on the cross, but he's willing to walk with you wherever you are right now. To that day you say, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go back. And I'm going to be with these people. And I'm going to seek Jesus. I don't want to just see him, I want to seek him. And so we're going to have a time now where we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to minister to your heart. And some of you, some of you this afternoon, are going to make a decision to go back to Jerusalem, to go back and be amongst the people of God. Some of you today are going to make a decision to start out with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now to change hearts, God. Not just the minds. Change our hearts, God, and make us look more like you as our worship team ministers.